Welcome to the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Tryon. I'm Jeff Harris. I'm the pastor here at First Baptist, and I'm grateful for you joining us today. I must say, podcast might be a bit of a stretch because really this is our weekly sermon, and I'm grateful that you've taken the time to listen to this week's sermon. I will give one word of warning, though, especially to those of you who are driving. Sermons um, from time to time tend to put people to sleep, so if you're driving, be real careful. We don't want you to fall asleep, because we'd love to have you tune in next week. (laughs) I hope you enjoy this week's sermon, although enjoy is really not the intended outcome of a sermon, but I am grateful that you took the time to listen, and I hope you have a great week. I'll catch you next week. The peace of Christ be with you. We welcome you to worship. We are grateful that you are here at First Baptist Church, whether it's in person or whether you're joining us via Zoom or on YouTube. We are grateful to be worshiping together this morning. We, we, we didn't think it was going to quite look like this when we first got here this morning. We didn't have any power, not until a little bit after 9, and we had no internet till about 9.30. And uh, we've got it all now, so we're, we're good to go. It's glad that we can join together in these ways. So let us now take a deep breath. Let us ready ourselves for the worship of God. We come as we are. We are God's children learning how to grow. We are broken hearts learning how to heal. We are people learning how to trust. We are pieces of ourselves learning how to become whole. We are spirits learning how to love. We come as we are.
Good morning. Before I pray, I want to extend a birthday blessing to our pastor. Today is Jeff's birthday. Happy birthday, Jeff. Let's all bow together. Almighty and eternal loving Father, here we are. Here we are ready to worship you. Here we are. Willing to hear the message you have for us this day. Here we are. Able to serve you and to witness for you, not only in this place, but in all the world. Father, we come into your presence this morning with praises, praises that you are our God, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Protector, our Provider. You mean so much to us, and we praise you for that. Father, with thanksgiving, we come for this special time that we can spend together this morning, singing your songs, praying your prayers, listening to your word, and worshiping you. Bless this time. In the name of Jesus, we pray this prayer together. Amen.
may be seated. We have any takers for the children's sermon this morning? Oh, I could just do one for everybody, couldn't I? So we were talking about Jody is doing the children's church with um, ages two through five out on the playground every week. And so they are looking at creation. And so I thought we would do something on creation this morning. We were at the beach a couple of weeks ago, and I love being at the beach. I love putting my toes in the sand for a couple of days, right? And then I'm kind of ready for the sand to stay on the beach and not come back to the condo with me, but it seems to come back. And so there's a lot of sand out there, isn't there? Good grief. So I've got a little bag of it here. I was going to set some of it out here on this paper and see if we could try to count the grains just in that little bit. And there's, there's like a lot, right? And that's just a little bitty drop. But most scientists say that there really are more stars in the universe than there are grains of sand on the earth. That's kind of hard to wrap your head around, right? Now, in the night sky, when you're looking up, if it's a really clear night and there's not a lot of light pollution around, you can probably see about 5,000 stars if you could count them all. A few thousand. But that's really about all you can see, but there's a lot more than that. Uh, in fact, there are, it's estimated, I should say, it's estimated that there are one billion trillion stars in the universe, a billion trillion. That's one billion trillions. That's a lot of stars, right? A lot of stars. Then, then, then think about the sun. The sun is this thing, this, this incredible amount of energy, right? I didn't realize how large it was the other day. Did you know that you could fit 1.3 million Earths in the sun? 1.3 million Earths in the sun. That's how large it is. The world, the universe, it is so immense, so big, we can't even really conceive of it. And yet, as the psalmist reminds us, God counts the number of the stars and calls them by name. Counts the number of the stars and calls them by name. That's the God that we worship and serve. Let's pray together. Lord, for your vastness, for your mystery, for your faithfulness, for your coming to us in the person of Jesus, we give thanks. May we worship you with great awe. Amen.
Please read along with me responsively Romans 8, 29 to 39. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, Jacob Weaver, our youth minister, started working here 
just a month or so before the pandemic hit. So you really may not have gotten to know Jacob in the way that you ordinarily would have in this strange year and a half that we've been in. But I've been very very grateful that we have had Jacob with us. He has helped us with sound and with lots of other tech issues. In fact, he's running the sound right now. Even though he's sitting back there in the back, he's running sound on an iPad for us, and he does that every Sunday. So he has been an important part of our staff during this time. And uh, Jacob, I'm grateful for your friendship and for your work, and you're going to get to hear him preach this morning. It'll be the first time that he's ever preached in a worship service. And so I'm even more grateful that you're preaching for me today because it has been an insanely long time since I've been in a worship service that I wasn't preaching in. I can't remember when I went to a worship service and heard a sermon, so I look forward to it. And this is one of the texts that he'll be interacting with this morning. This one is from Second uh, Samuel 11. You'll know this text. It happened late one afternoon when David rose from his couch and was walking about on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. David sent someone to inquire about the woman. It was reported, this is Bathsheba, daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So David sent messengers to get her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Then she returned to her house. The woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. So David sent word to Joab, send me Uriah the the Hittite, and Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked how Joab and the people fared and how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. Uriah went out of the king's house, and there followed him a present from the king. But Uriah slept at the entrance of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and did not go down to his house. When they told David Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, You have just come from a journey. Why did you not go down to your house? Uriah said to David, The ark and Israel and Judah remains in booths, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are camping in the open field. Shall I then go to my house to eat and drink and to lie with my wife? As you live and as your soul lives, I will do no such thing. Then David said to Uriah, Remain here today also, and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day. On the next day, David invited him to eat and drink in his presence and made him drunk. And in the evening, he went out to lie on his couch with the servants of his Lord, but he did not go down to his house. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. In the letter, he wrote, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hardest fighting, And then draw back from him so that he may be struck down and die. The word of the Lord.
beside me? Who'll be there to guide me? Who will be a witness? Oh, my Lord. I'm going to heaven, want to do it right. scripture passage is found in Acts chapter 9 verses 1 through 16. Meanwhile Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus, so that he, if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, Who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground and through his eyes, though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight and neither ate or drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment he is praying, and he has been seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him 
how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. The word of the Lord. God's broken people. That's what we are. We aren't perfect, and no one expects us to be perfect. It's okay that we have flaws and that we've experienced trauma. We all have experienced something that has caused us grief. Now, I'll get back to the readings in a bit, but wow, does that feel good to say. Just to realize that everyone around you is dealing with something. And to take a breath and know that they're trying to gather their feelings just like you are. I'd say that that gives me some confidence. And that gives me comfort. Knowing that everyone is going through something. We've all gone through, have gone through, or going to go through something that breaks us. It's not an if, but a when. Now, that's not something to hide from or be scared of. It's just a matter of fact. And I'm not advocating that God makes bad things happen to us, but that broken people hurt broken people. And sometimes there's things that we can't explain. What I would like to say is that those broken parts of us aren't meant to be repressed. In fact, I think they're meant to be lifted up to God so that he can help us mend our brokenness and use those experiences to truly reach others. Now, when I say truly reach others, I mean on a deep and spiritual level. We as humans reach each other and create communities based on the things that cause happiness in our lives. For example, I enjoy the NFL, comic books, early 2000 sitcoms, and video games. That being the case, most of my friends and the people that I spend time with have similar interests than I do. That is reaching each other on a community level. When we truly reach someone, we share our sadness with them. We sit down with them and share the nitty-gritty, icky stuff that we've gone through and empathize with each other. For example, in 2008, my dad was sent off to tour duty. Immediately after, my brother left to Maryland. My older brother left to Maryland to live with his girlfriend, leaving me to be the man of the house. Later that year, my parents announced that they were getting divorced over FaceTime. Immediately following, my great-grandfather, who was like a second father to me, passed. Through all of this, I was very alone. My family was broken, too busy grieving to realize that I was struggling with all of this. I was hopeless and had no idea what to do or who to turn to about it. I felt completely alone. Now, while this tore me up for years, I came around to being able to use these experiences. With the, I lifted them up to God and started doing a lot of reflecting and working on myself. With these experiences, I've been able to turn that brokenness, that sadness, that are these situations into something that I can use to reach others. I can reach children and youth that are in situations where they feel lost and hopeless. I can sit down with them, hear them when they feel like they can't be heard and understand a good bit what they may be going through. 
I took my brokenness, accepted it, I turned it around to exemplify God. Let's say our situations of brokenness are the coals in our life. Then with the experiences that we have with God, we can go and refine these coals into diamonds. And we take that situation that we've had with God and take to similar people who have had similar coals in their lives and help them see God so they can refine their coal into diamonds also. Yet, if we neglect our brokenness, the essence of who we are, we lead ourselves down to a path of depression, anxiety, and neglect. In fact, I find the topic of depression in Christianity can be rooted in a lot of our neglect of ourselves, aka our broken selves, and how we as Christians go about the topic of depression. In 2018, the Geneva College did a study on depression and the church and stigmas around it. The study states, three out of four pastors know at least one person in their congregation who had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. 74% of pastors knew of someone who with clinical depression. 57% knew of at least three people who fell into the clinical depression category. Some of the st stigmas that they state revolving around mental illness and Christians were, mental illness is a sign of weakness. You should surrender your mental illness to God as to say that if you give it to him and you do nothing else, it's just gonna go away. This is the one that gets me the most steamed. It is God's way of testing your faith. Next, being mental illness is a punishment for your sins. And finally, that if you have mental illness, you're probably a disappointment to God and a bad Christian. I want to be clear. None of these stigmas are true. You are not being tested for having mental illness. You aren't paying for your sins. It isn't a sign of weakness, and it sure doesn't go away if you just hand it off and then neglect it. People struggle with mental illness. It's just a fact. 18.1% of Americans have depression. While regular churchgoers have reported to have 15% depression rates, they also have the highest rate of saying that they have trouble talking about their mental illness. Now, that is roughly one in six people in every congregation suffers from a mental illness. So that would mean, if these stigmas are true, that one, two, three, four, five, six, should have prayed harder. One, two, three, four, five, six, guess you're working off some sins. But we know that not to be true because it's okay to be broken. And I want to be clear about this. If you have mental illness, it's okay to ask for help. Allow your brokenness to be a part of you. Lean into who you are and the experiences that have made you. Grow from it and use that growth to exemplify God. You are allowed to be you. Not everybody in the Christian community needs to be the same. If that was the case, everybody would be named Jacob and every dinner would have a side of fried okra. Luckily, that's not the case, and God creates unique individuals, individuals that have gone through a lot and can use that to do good in the world. I'm back to the reading. Lord, I have heard about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. 
It's pretty easy to understand the shock that Ananias was in. Ananias was in. Saul, up to this point, had been convicting Christians for believing in the way. It would be extremely frightening to pass this man on the street. Be alone. Go seek him out. The thing that Ananias is forgetting, though, is that God has a history with broken people. God has a tendency to take those who are broken and use that brokenness to push forward his kingdom. Paul spent time persecuting Christians, then became a church planner, and wrote letters to many places that were being, you guessed it, persecuted for being Christians. David, from our first reading today, was a known adulterer, and God still used him to further his kingdom in many different ways. In fact, his sense of loneliness and struggles with depressions can be heard throughout Psalms. Now, I'm not saying that God ordained Saul to persecute Christians, and I am really willing to bet that God did not ordain David to commit adultery. Yet, I do think that these individuals were given a chance to use their past and their experiences to better themselves and further the kingdom of God. We are not placed in very much of a different situation ourselves. Just like the alcoholic that became an AA sponsor, the DSS officer that was abused as a child, the oncologist that lost multiple family members to cancer. Just like them, we are tasked with the ultimate chance to better ourselves through God, better ourselves by recognizing our brokenness and allowing God to mend us, to take those negative experiences, that emotional trauma, the grief that we experienced and flip it on its head we have no need to fear of our past and negative tendency. Christ gave us the gift of forgiveness. He took the burden off of our shoulders to be perfect and allowed us to be broken, yet still saved. This doesn't mean that we should give in to those negative tendencies, but we should recognize them, lay them out in front of us, and see how we can better ourselves through them. I'll finish with this note. I saw a post on Twitter, and yes, I know, us kids are on social media, that was equating human beings to being a disco ball. Early disco balls, and some still are, were made out of broken pieces of glass. The argument being that we are not broken pieces of glass, but the beautiful disco ball. While this is a nice sentiment, I would argue in the other direction. I say that each of us is a broken piece of glass in the disco ball that is the body of Christ. And just like regular disco balls, we are most beautiful when we shine that light that is Christ's love. Amen.
Let us pray together. Thank you, Lord, for loving us even in our brokenness. Thank you for your faithfulness, even though we are frail and fickle. And thank you for reminding us that every single person that you have ever used has been just like us, broken, frail, and fickle. But that's not the end of the story. For you are the God who raises Jesus from the dead. You are the one who breathes new life into us, into this world. For you are the source of all life. Help us, O oh Lord, to ground our lives in your life so that we might know true life. So that our brokenness might be made whole. So that our lives might be renewed. We pray especially for those this morning who are hurting, those who are lonely, those who are depressed, those who have physical illnesses and those who have mental illnesses. And so we pause now to name aloud those who need your healing and hope. And I invite those of you here in the sanctuary, if you would offer that name aloud, I'll repeat it so that everyone can hear it. Susan McHugh. Georgia Pace. David Ballman. Family of Steve Foster. Ed Britton, Mike Smith, Mike Smith. Eric Koistinen, the family of Harold McIntyre, the family of Harold McIntyre, Vernon Dusenberry. And for those of you who are joining us online, you may unmute yourself and offer any names aloud that you would like. Alan Hartfolk. Lord, we entrust the ones that have been named, ones left unnamed, and ones unknown to us. We entrust them to you because we know that you are good and that you are faithful and that you mend and heal and reconcile all things through Christ our Lord, the one who has taught us how to pray. So now if you at home would unmute yourselves and you can join us as we pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, okay. who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. It has been good to worship with you this morning. Jacob, we are grateful that you're a part of our family here. You are a gifted minister, and we're grateful that we could share and worship with you and have you preach for us this morning. Thank you. I'm grateful for that. At 7 o'clock this afternoon, or this evening, I should say, we're going together in the back of the church parking lot for another trivia round. Our youth won the first time. They're a pretty solid team. So they're going to be defending their title tonight. So I hope you will join us for trivia and homemade desserts. That, that means I'll provide the trivia questions and you'll provide the homemade desserts. That's, that's, that's pretty great how that works, right? So, uh, and, and, you know, if you don't have time to do that, you can always... Uh, grab some cookies somewhere, or you can just show up even without a dessert. I'm sure we'll have enough to go around. It'll be a good time. The main part of that is just so that we can be together. It's been a long time since we've been able to really just enjoy each other's company, and it's a good time to share in conversation and, and laughter. And we moved it to 7 o'clock instead of 6, hoping the sun will be a little lower in the sky, and so it won't be quite so hot out there. Uh, also, on July the 29th, our kids are invited to uh, the Kids Create Day. It's a day of art, hands-on art. There'll be uh, pizza lunch included, and this is geared toward, uh, for kids grades 1 through 5. And parents, if your kids plan to participate, please let Jody know no later than this Thursday. Also, we celebrate the birth of Elias Ridge Woolleman. Some of you have seen those pictures floating around. That's a that's a handsome fella. Y'all did all right with that. So we are grateful and we celebrate with, with Phil and Alyssa. And thank you for uh, bringing diapers and books. And you have another opportunity to bring diapers and, and books for baby Dale that will be coming very soon. Johnny and Emily, we are thinking of you as you move closer to that due date. And there's a table set up here so you can bring those gifts. It's been good to be together been good to worship. So may we stand now for the benediction. May you go in peace to love and serve the Lord, and as you go, remember who you are. You are disciples of Jesus, our Lord and our brother, children of Almighty God, bound together as brothers and sisters through the Spirit. You are the very body of Christ. So may you serve the Lord with gladness all your days. So if you're here in the sanctuary, I'll ask you, if you will, to move outside as quickly as possible and have all the conversation and catch up you want outside. And if you're here on Zoom, stick around and catch up with each other.